It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Shaka 
Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. One of the ways that we do that is with shows like this, Our Own Voices Live. Also, where it originated from was Our Own Voices Print and Digital Magazine that talks about our culture. After all, Mr. Sam Smith would always ask you what your name is, where your people from, and he would ask a little bit about you to make it personal, and then he would listen. It was a great conversation start. Maybe we should all do that just a little bit more. So that's a little bit about Our Own Voices Live. And, again, our topic today is going to be remembering Sam Smith of the Native Son Bookstore, and we're going to talk about black love. Yesterday at the gathering, we had a special gathering in which we brought some folks together, some of the original gathering members and others, and we shared it because Sam was an elder of the community and as an elder in the community should be respected just because of that, if nothing else. But because he touched so many people and he was the founder of the gathering, we thought it would only be fitting for folks from the gathering to come together and get as many original members as possible. Big shout out to my homegirl, my sister, Miss Julia Thomas, who is after me the next person who became a member of the gathering. The reason why we called it a gathering is because Sam gathered us there, and we gathered there to be with Sam. We became gatherers. And when people ask us, what are you guys doing, or what do you have, and where are you going? I say, well, we're just going to gather and talk and get hear some of Sam's stories. And Sam would always tell us to bring something in writing when we showed up. So that was whether it was a page, an article, especially like articles out the newspaper, or a book to talk about. He wanted us to bring something in writing. That's pretty powerful. As much as we have a problem with literacy in this country today, Sam wanted us to keep up with it, and he knew that that would inspire other people as they saw us, especially those young ones out there. Uh, as a matter of fact, whenever you travel someplace, <laughs> Sam always would ask you, hey, Bring me back a newspaper, preferably one of the free ones. Uh, if they have a magazine, you could bring that back too. And it didn't make any difference how many they had. He just wanted them. So that's what we would do is we would go out and we would bring back newspapers. When we would go to gatherings, like at the West Side Bistro, located at 710 West Lake Mead Boulevard inside of Nevada Park. Uh, the reason why I mentioned that was because Sam frequented that place so much, and he knew so many people. He was sort of like an ambassador. And so they used to call Sam Mayor of the Bistro. And it was just another of many of the titles that he had. They also used to, uh, well, we we coined the phrase because Sam just knew so much information about so many things. Not only was he the owner of the Native Son bookstore, but I think Sam must have read every book that was in the bookstore uh, because he could talk about any topic. And if you think you would stump him, <laughs> well, stumpers beware because Sam just had that, he had that wonderful brain that could recall so many things that he had read or that he had seen or, or heard. And he continued to read, he continued to learn. And if by chance Sam didn't know something or was a little off on it, he would literally spend all night reading it, trying to catch up to it and learn it and know it. And when I say know it, I mean know it 
and owned it. It was his knowledge then. And that was pretty impressive too. So there was so much to Sam that I know I am not able to share all of what the man was uh, myself. And hopefully uh, my co-host will join us a little later and we'll get some of you to call in and, and share some of your thoughts. You know, when we talk about elders in our community, when our elders pass, they become our ancestors. And I wrote a piece a while back about are we preparing to be ancestors. And the reason why I wrote that was actually I was partially thinking of Sam. And I knew that one day he would transition and that he would become an ancestor. And he had done enough, helped enough people where I was pretty confident that people would look back very favorably of him. And so then as he would transition from elder to ancestor, there would be good things to say. There would be good thoughts, good memories. And it just made me sit and ponder for a minute. What are we doing that when we transition, who are willing to do radio shows about us? There will be people willing to travel from one state to the next just to be amongst others who knew that person who transitioned, who knew you. Are you preparing to be ancestors? And if you're not, why not? And why is it that some people seem to be so good and so natural at it? It wasn't that I don't think Sam was thinking about that or tried. He just did it. And isn't that the sign? of a leader, a person that sees a need, whether purposely or not, but more importantly, whatever that need is, they they feel that need. That was Sam. Uh, what, what we would hear is how Sam gave a book to somebody. Or one young lady wrote on Facebook how when she first came to town, she didn't know anyone, and she wound up meeting Sam, and Sam was very nice to her. I believe it was Dorda and gave her a book and how she always remembered that and how that helped her transition here and know that this was the right move, this was the right decision to come here to Las Vegas. So just sometimes little things can mean so much. I'm just kind of curious as to when you think of yourself, do you think of yourself leaving a legacy as big possibly as Sam Smith or a legacy at all? One of the things I wrote to introduce the show is I said, when you put your finger in a glass of water or in water, it makes a hole. But then when you remove your finger, the hole disappears as the water fills it in. But I said, with Sam's transition from this life into whatever lies next, the whole level of water went down. That's just the type of person that he was. That's the impact that he had amongst so many. What impact 
that he have with you, 347-826-9600. Give us a call in and share it with us. And what impact are you making so that others will be able to remember you? Well, of course, <coughs> speaking of impact, as of yesterday, February 13th, we went over 100,000 listeners. Oh, my God. As of yesterday, <laughs> we went over 100,000 listeners. I wanted to share that with you all now because I knew my co-host was on the line and I wanted her to hear it along with you all because none of that could have happened had it not been for her, as I always say, uh, pushing me. And most of the positive things I've done in my life, usually it's been because a girl, woman, female of some type have pushed me or invited me, suggested me to do something. (laughs) And our own voices live is no different. Ladies and gentlemen, to the person who really initiated the show that you're listening to today that just went over 100,000 listeners, a milestone, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Welcome to the show, Angela. Um, uh, Hey, happy Valentine's Day to everyone, to you, Rodney, and over 100,000 listeners. Now, I couldn't look for a long time at the stats. Because we were so close, and I was so nervous, and I just wanted i wanted it to happen just like this. Thank you so much. We are 100,000 listeners in. Oh, my God, Rodney. Okay. Well. We went from, from a thought to 100,000 listeners. Oh, my goodness. What a what a marker to in, in Black History Month uh, at such a a sad time for both of us losing some losing Sam Smith uh, the person that was definitely one of the main motivators behind this show the gathering and so many other things that uh, we've we've embarked upon. Um, it's 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 a sweet victory. It's a sweet achievement. I don't know if victory is the is the is the right word, but it's a sweet achievement to reach our. You know that was one of our big milestone goals to reach a hundred thousand listen listeners. But I never thought I would not be able to pick up the phone and call Sam and tell him that we reached a hundred thousand listeners. Well, in honor of Sam Smith, again, this show is about him, but it's also about all of the things that he inspired so many of us, including you and I, to do, including this show. And so this is a testament to Sam and also in honor of Sam. It's 100,000 listeners, Sam. We could not have done it without your support, your encouragement, and really just setting such a positive example for us. Reminding us that it was that is so much uh, to talk about, to cover as a journalist, to engage and enlighten other people about um, 
man. What a what a what a what a what a moment. And I'm sure, you know, in if he were here, he would have tons of funny things to say cuz he was just the most lighthearted um light spirit just just a spirited man. Y'all got a hundred thousand people to listen to y'all. That's that's really something. He would say something similar to that. Can't you hear? I could I could hear the voice. Y'all got a hundred thousand people to listen to y'all. Huh? Wow. Hmm. <laughs> you mean people want to listen to you all? Right. He he would he would definitely be proud of us, but he would be full of jokes, filled to the brim with jokes about it. And, you know, a part of that, though, is Sam is known for being one of our great talkers. Uh, when Sam started talking, I don't know if you all remember that old commercial with E.F. Hutton. It was some type of investment, <laughs> a bank or something. And you used to say when E.F. When e. E. Hutton talks, everybody listens. Well, really, that's how it was when Sam started talking. Everybody <laughs> stopped talking. Everybody turned towards Sam and they listened. The gathering, for sure, had nothing to do with me. The people or were coming, me. and I knew this right off the bat. They weren't coming to hear me. They weren't coming to see me. They were coming to be in the presence of Sam Smith of the Native Sun Bookstore. That's what That's it was true. really all about. So all of the rest of us, we were just fortunate to to get some of the, the goodness you know, we were sort of like hangers-on, but we were proud to be hangers-on because we were with Sam Smith. And to be in his presence, you know, it's almost like who was uh, who was closest to Sam? You know, it's almost like we were the disciples. No, me, no, me, no, me. But <laughs> Sam had spread to everybody. Everybody was, uh, you know, you just loved the man. You loved what he was, what he stood for, what he was, what he was about, and his achievements. Sam used to always talk about, I got 100 people on the fire department, 100 people. Yeah. Now, for those yeah. of you who may not be familiar with that, that's a pretty big deal. I don't know anybody it's, else that can lay claim to helping anyone uh, achieve entrance into such a a uh, a rare club. I mean, not everybody can pass the test. Not everybody is built to run into the fire because most of us are busy. If you if you ever encounter a fire, you're trying to get the heck out the way. Not everybody <laughs> is built to do that job, first of all. Not everybody is going to be able, you know, we spoke on, a, on other broadcasts about uh, testing and the rigorous testing and training that you have to go through. So, for Sam to be able to develop a pedagogy that communi- that that translated to that many people and the end result was that they were able to join the distinguished ranks of Nevada Fire Service and people who were already working for the fire department as secretaries. You know, something he used to uh talk to me about quite a bit was that, you know, he was a he was a fire inspector, but he he also worked with 
many that were hourly, you know, employees and didn't have quite the benefits package that he had and, and others had. He he worked with them and developed their skill so that they could take tests and, you know, matriculate into a better pay system, a better benefit system. So, you know, I'm sure it's 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 probably over a hundred people that he um touched and helped uh develop a career in in fire service. So I you know, I don't know anybody else that cared that much and he did that at no cost. That that was his pleasure to do with his spare time. That was something he developed um, to do. I know how to do it, and I want to help someone else get to a better life for themselves and their family. And then he had a whole plan after you got it. You know, the whole uh, live live on one pay periods, pay, put the rest of the money uh, in a savings and into other things. Uh, after a year of being on the fire department, he expected his his folks to be in business, doing something else outside of fire service. Uh, after five years of being in fire service, saving and doing a business, he expected you to become a property owner that's that's some that's some heckified teaching and sharing mm-hmm. you know to show you how to develop your life okay i'm a, i'm i'm gonna help you get this good job and we all know it's the best that's one of the best paid jobs in in the state and not only am I going to help you get this good-paying job with all these great benefits, but I'm going to show you how to develop and create a legacy. How to enrich a community by being a business owner. You don't get those life life lessons. You don't get lessons like that from an individual. That usually comes to you, if it comes to you at all, from several different places. But to get all that from one person is incredible. You know, and that's so important. One of the things we talk about for the African-American community is that we need to do business with each other. We need to own something. And oftentimes some of the people who are saying that have no business, own nothing, uh, have no investments, maybe no money in the bank and sometimes don't even have a car. So it's not that what they're saying isn't valid, but because they're not living it themselves, sometimes it doesn't have the same impact. Well, everything that Sam was telling us, Sam was doing. He was a business owner. He owned the Native Son Bookstore. You know, that bookstore by itself had became took a life on of its own as somewhat of a community center and a resource for so many people in the community that were able to receive advice like that. Sam became the father of so many children. Now, I don't mean biological father, as far as I know. He didn't have any extras running around out there. But because of the advice and the information, simply the time that he spent, maybe we underestimate the value of time because Sam took the time to share 
with so many. Come on yep. into the bookstore and talk about books, talk about life. History, life. Yeah. Um, when he heard that I was on uh, Ancestry.com and uh, putting my family tree together, and you know, I would share with him some of the some of the some of the leaves that I would get and what those trees look like. It wasn't part of my tree, but you know, in doing the Ancestry.com, uh, you. You, it's impossible not to learn about history and not to learn something that you weren't aware of that took place in this country and how um, people come into these shores, the different ways that people come to these shores. Um, so we would have these long discussions about, you know, that era I was I I at at this time I'm kind of stuck in um what genealogists call the 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 wall where most African Americans that are putting uh their tree together you get stuck at uh 1800s era area and you know just it's just a wall because there isn't that much information for us and and we talked about that we talked about the history of that and the history of us being uh documented as property not people and you know just di- telling me different things as he's talking to me about these things he's handing me uh different genealogy books that he has he ha- he's handing me articles you know, once he found out I was doing this, he was. Sam always believed in if you go somewhere, bring me back a paper, bring me back all the paper you can you can handle. If you see something, you shouldn't come to my space without bringing an article. You shouldn't even do that, because you know I, I collect information. You you should be bringing information to the table. I never met anybody um, beyond that loved the newspaper more than my grandmother. I would say that Sam Smith definitely loved paper more than my grandmother. My grandmother uh, subscribed to the Chicago Sun-Times every day of my life. Uh, And she was, when the paper hit the porch, she could hear that she had gotten so uh, in sync with her paper guy, she could hear the thud. On the thud on the porch when the paper was tossed up there, she knew when he was late. She would go downstairs, she would collect her paper, and she would come upstairs. And my grandfather's who's laying right next to her, Rodney. Uh, she they would begin. She's reading the paper, and they begin to discuss what was going on in the paper. George Wims, can you believe that Mayor Daly? That fool is crazy. Or Mayor Daly's doing the right thing there, um, you know, and just talking about the news. Don't go out of here, George Williams, without your long underwear on the day. It's going to be 20 below. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I never, that 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 person 
was the one that instilled in me how important it was to subscribe to your local newspaper and how important it is to read it from cover to cover because it's always valuable information in there. And Sam is the only one that I met that rivaled her passion for newspapers and journalism. Sam was about knowledge, gaining information, passing on information. It wasn't as if he had it, therefore, you know, I got a secret and I'm going to keep it. No, it was I have it and I want to share it with you. And I think that that is just, that's an example of selflessness. And as Angela said, he would share life. When the Clark County Black Caucus recently had their African-American Student Summit, one of the things that got a lot of applause from the students was when the folks who were presenting their findings after they had their breakout session said that they wanted life lessons. They wanted to know how to be able to make it through life. They didn't just want to go through uh, school and just have an academic knowledge, but they wanted to have mm-hmm. a knowledge about living. And when you were with Sam, that's what he gave you. That's exactly what you got. Life lessons. Very, very powerful life lessons. Uh, Angela, you shared some of the ones that that not only do you have in memory, but that you actually put to practice. Put to practice, yeah. Absolutely. um, Putting more money away. He really was about... um, Saving, how important it was to save. And, you know, we got into how he got into that. You know, being of a certain age, he remembers, you know, what it was like to not have. And he said to me, you know, no one can argue with cash. Nobody argues with Mm. cash. If you got cash at hand, you got the power, baby girl. So put your money away. Now, I'm a girl, and I like all girly things. I like heels. I like nail polish. I like hair. I like lashes. I like clothes. And every time I seen Sam, he would always compliment me, always. But he he always made sure that he reiterated, I hope you're saving. I hope you're saving. And just I see sometimes something a... you could have saved. Wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, sometimes he would zing me like that. I see something. You look really good. But I see something you could have saved. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yes. But but Sam Sam was pretty uh, honest on his observations. That's what he would call it, his observations. Mm-hmm. And and you know the, the other great thing about Sam was Sam was just like a magnet. People would come when when you when you knew Sam and you had people who came to see you. Then what naturally would happen is on the itinerary for your guests was a visit when he had the bookstore to the bookstore 
Once you yep. got the academy, it was a visit to the academy because you had to introduce them to Sam Smith. <laughs> and I remember when the Berries from Minnesota uh, came to Las Vegas, and Thomas would, Brother Barry would often tell me about the notables that he had a chance to have fellowship with, break bread with, if it was just a bread of knowledge. And I, I think I had mentioned Sam Smith to him, but, of course, he didn't know Sam Smith personally. But, of course, when he got here, on the first thing on my agenda, other than just meeting him and his lovely bride, uh, oh, and big uh, shouts out to Brother Barry. Today is his birthday. Happy birthday, Brother. Happy 38 birthday, Barry. Underneath your belt with 38-plus on the way. Uh, but, <laughs> but my thought was for this brother, I got to take him to meet Sam. I got to yeah. take him to meet Sam because this brother is, he and I are similar. He wants to get the information from whoever that has it that's willing to give it, and this brother will sit there and listen to Sam, and he will be enriched by it. So what I wanted to give Mr. Barry, Brother Barry and his family, was not so much time with me. I wanted to make sure that he had time while he was here in Las Vegas to be with Mr. Sam Smith from the Native Sun Bookstore, the mayor of the Bistro, the Oracle of Las Vegas, the founder of the gathering that Brother Barry and I had talked so much about. That was my agenda. Let me share this good thing that I have with this brother who's just visiting. That's just how powerful being in Sam's presence was. And I'm going to ask you all, do you think that people feel that way about you? even a little bit about anything. And, and I'm asking you that because I, I talked at the beginning about preparing to be basically your progeny's ancestors. Yeah. And there's so many that we're losing nowadays. You know, the baby boomer generation is, you know, there's, none of us know the time or the hour, right? But we do know that there's a certain age of maturity where you're closer to meeting your maker or transitioning from this life to whatever is next. And when you transition to be, as Sam has, an elder, and you have all of us saying all of these things about him, these, these good things about him, are you doing things that will make a mark? When you, when you are no longer here, as I mentioned earlier, taking that finger out of water, will it just fill in or will there be a void in the world because you are no longer a part of it doing whatever it is that you do? Give us a call, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. We'd love to know uh, what encounters you had with Mr. Smith, uh, whether you were young or old, uh, there's many people in the Las Vegas Valley, some still here and many who've moved to other places, who will have Sam Smith to thank for whatever their level of accomplishments are now. Uh, one of them is Alex, Alex Cherry. He came here with no idea of being a lawyer, but Sam told him he needed to go to law school. And just like that, Alex applied for multiple law schools, got accepted in some, and he's 
graduated law school and he's studying to take the bar exam. He was at the gathering yesterday, and somebody asked him, well, were you planning to be a lawyer? He said, no, I really hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> Look where he is now. That's the impact that Sam had. So, and, and let me tell you how that impacted other things, though. Because not only did Sam suggest he should become a lawyer, which Alex, as a younger man, listened to his elder and applied to law school, attended law school, did well in law school, graduated law school, but before he graduated, participated in a project that really shed light onto a wrong that was done so many years ago, over 100 years ago, and actually helped bring closure to an African-American family who had one of their uh, relatives killed. And it was a racial killing that had never been resolved. And through Alex's work, due to Sam telling him to go to law school, he was able to help bring closure to that family. That's the power of one man. One man can make a difference, whether it's in what that one person is doing or what others are doing because of being inspired by that one person. That's power mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Wow. So much to that say is, about this one, in, you know, just this, the impact of, of this one person on many. Uh, that's power. Yeah, so that's I real that power. Question, are we preparing to be our progeny's ancestors? Because that means we're making a difference. Now, the difference, Sam may have been sort of a one-off. And what I mean by a one-off for those of you who buy shoes and bags and jewelry, uh, things like that, every once in a while there's just that one that comes out that's so unique, so special, just different from everything else, such a standout. Well, that was that was kind of sad. But we all are different, and we all can do what it is that's there for us to do. And what I'm asking you is, are you doing those things that will make you somebody that your progeny will look back and give thanks that you were their ancestor? Because Sam is that person. And and when you think about 100 people on the the, uh Fire, as a firefighter, the first Asian woman in the Las Vegas Valley became a firefighter because of Sam Smith. The first woman became a firefighter because of Sam Smith. There's people who are making, who improve their livelihood, their, enhance their families by getting those jobs on the fire department, but not just the fire department, uh, police force. Uh, Sam inspired people to go to college. Mm-hmm. Sam inspired and helped young people learn the skills that they would need to pass the proficiency exams here. Uh, Sam also used that to help direct them towards college. An uh, impact that if you were somehow to be able to draw lines from Sam 
to all of those that he's positively impacted. I'm sure it would look something like the spider web just expanding continuously outward because that is what he did. He had made impact into people's lives as he's done with my life, as Angela shared with, with her life, and then pass that on to her children and to her network. That's power right there. Not Absolutely. only is it power, but it uplifts us. And those simple lessons of saving, Sam said no matter how much you make, you should be able to save some of it. Because mm-hmm. one day you're going to need more money. The car is going to break down, need new shoes, baby needs diapers. Whatever the case may be, you're going to need more money. And, you know, all too often, especially for us men who were men today, but as boys we didn't have a father around, there are many men today who were boys that came to Sam Smith's bookstore, not because they were made to come, but because they wanted to come. Mm-hmm. And they will tell you to this day that the reason why they have achieved what they have today is directly in relation to the time spent with Mr. Sam Smith, oftentimes in his bookstore, and sometimes Sam would come where you were too now. <laughs> he was okay with doing that. And Sam sometimes he- would give you those hard lessons. He was that father figure that many of us as children didn't have, and even those of us who are adults now who didn't have a father growing up, he became that father figure for us as adults, me being one of them. You know, uh, today marks a a special day. Uh, Today is my daughter and my son-in-law's fifth wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary, Jamie and Alicia. It also marks the first time Sam came to my home. He came to to the reception I, I threw for Jamie and Alicia at my home. And we visited my library. And he looked at my books. He said, ah. Oh, you know, Sam, he's competitive, first of all. He made a joke first. He was like, oh, this is a, this is a nice small gathering of books. This is, this, is a good, this is a good start. This is really nice. Look how neat you got it. You read all these books. He, he, first of all, he, wanted to, he had jokes. For, did you read all these books or did you just stack these books in here like this? I said, no, I read all these books. He said, well, that's a good start. And for you to have these books openly displayed for your grandkids to get to is amazing. Now, you still got a lot of work to do. You need some more books, but this is a good start. I I will not um, forget that day, and I will not forget that he said I... Definitely had more work to do, <laughs> so the the journey continues. But I, I um, I was so honored that he came to celebrate with me and my family, and 
he actually had an opportunity to see my books besides the ones I bought from him or that he gave me or whatever. He saw my space where I sit and read, where I keep my books, where I, you know, made a space for my my children and my grandchildren to go pull from if they need to and show them that it's important to have books in the home. So happy anniversary, Jamie and Alicia. Uh, happy anniversary, Jamie and Alicia. You know, Angela, as you're talking about Sam, and we're talking about the different people. We talked, we talked about the firefighters. We talked about some police officers. We talked about some students. But let's not forget the politicians uh, yeah. that Sam has touched one way or, or the other. Because if you wanted to know somebody, especially if you're trying to get inroads in the community, one of the things that you did was you went to the bookstore to talk to Mr. Smith to find out who is who and where are they, what do they do, and, and who do they know, and how can you how can you gain access to them? Uh, mm-hmm. If you wanted to make sure that you got a favorable word out, then you needed to go ahead and say something to Mr. Smith and let him know that you're running, uh, and hopefully he'll give you the nod or a minimum sh- share that information that you're running with other people. Uh, we've been blessed in this community to have a lot of, as this is Black History Month, to have quite a few, a larger percentage of elected officials in our state legislature than the the general population percentage. And many of those people probably could, uh, I'm sure, has had some contact with Mr. Smith uh, one way or the other. So Sam just reaching out in multiple directions and then people reaching towards him uh, from so many different corners uh, to spend time with him, to have wise counsel uh, with him. Uh, One of the people that Sam had so much regard for and talked about uh, when he was running for office uh, was uh, our, the first African-American Congress person from the great state of Nevada uh, former Congressman Stephen Horsford. Stephen Horsford. Sam talked about Stephen so much that people who probably didn't know Stephen, not that they would not have voted for him anyway, don't know that, but we do know one thing. They knew about Stephen because of Mr. Sam Smith talking about him so much and sharing the story. And even when we were in the bistro, which was a part of Nevada Partners, he would say, this is we're in Stephen Horsford's house. And, uh, we need yep. to be excellent uh, because he's excellent and he's doing a lot of things for the community. When he's run, when he was running for office, he talked the, the first time he talked about how we needed to support him and to make sure he gets there and what the good that it would do for uh, or, or what it could do what it could do for the community. That was Sam, and that's how he's been effortless effortlessly helping others sharing, spreading the word, being just a resource uh, to the community in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Sam was not the most religious person in the world, but he knew the brothers in the mosque. He knew the the ministers in the community. Every minister, yep. <laughs> and they often came and, to wherever he was and sat and had conversation. When I went by earlier this week and they were taking the books from the academy and, you know, just getting things in order. Um, the Iman 
came, as he often did when when Sam was here, and you know he he said I I I could not not be here. He was such a great man, such a great man, and I I really wanted to document more than I did. He he shared with me that he had done some documentation of Sam uh, and other. Uh, significant other elders in the community that um, had enriched his life, and he said, I, "I just wish I had had more time to to just sit and document more." Mm. So, for us younger people, regardless of what age we are, there's somebody older than, than us, probably. How much time do we spend with our elders? Uh, just sitting down and chatting with them, or in many cases, sitting down and letting them tell us stories. Do we really take that serious, and, and do we do it? I'm going to encourage you, if you do not, to do so. One, your children will see you doing it, and they're probably more likely to listen to you when you talk to them. But there's something about listening to the things that those elders have gone through and then giving you advice. Sometimes when you want it, sometimes when you don't. But it's not for them to determine that. They just feel like it's for them to pass it on to you and for Mm -hmm. you to receive it. Now, once you receive it, it's up to you to do whatever the heck you want to do with it. But they feel an obligation to pass it on. Do we shut them out or do we embrace them? Well, I'm going to ask you all today, whatever the answer to that question was, is to make sure that it's always or as much as possible to embrace them. Instead of finding out that they're in a place or that they may be coming, instead of turning the phone off or leaving, maybe embrace them a little bit more. Hear what they have to say. Uh, You might be surprised on how it can help you and when it can help you. Uh, Hearing the stories from, from Sam they there many of them were life's lessons, just like those young people said from the uh, Clark County Black Caucus uh, African American Student Summit. They wanted life lessons. Many of us adults, including myself, we need some life lessons some to life help us lessons. make it through this existence that we have. Absolutely. You know, uh, for those of you who are listening that want to call three four seven eight two six. Nine six zero zero three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred. I see you on the board. Press option one to speak. Uh, that way, I know that you're doing more than listening. Uh, because I would love to hear some of the stories. I mean, I've heard a lot of the stories on how Sam impacted this and impacted that one. Gave my child a book. Helped them learn math. You know, Sam had this method of doing algebra that made it seem simple. And when you think about a person who did so well on some of these exams that they actually thought that maybe he was cheating, so they would change the exam just to make sure that he did, you know, there was no question whether or not he had answers to it or not. But he would still pretty much ace the exam. And then the people Mm -hmm. that he trained would do the same thing. And it wasn't that he was training them on remembering the answers. He taught them how to think. He taught them how to do those math equations. Critical thinking, something that the universities used to be known for teaching. That's part of what Sam did. 
uh, those children who came to his academy, he would give them books to read, uh, whatever age they were, and he would simply sit and talk with them and give them a chance to talk. Uh, Do we give our young people a chance to express themselves? Because they have something to say, and maybe sometimes it may not be valuable to you, but it's valuable to them. And sometimes it's just valuable for them to be able to say it and to know that there's someone listening. Sam gave those young people, whether they were younger and preteens, teenagers, early 20s, or some of us in our 50s, he gave us that chance to share with him, and he shared with us. Uh, what a what a beautiful legacy and what a beautiful man to have known. Someone says, well, there's a Sam Smith in every community. I wonder, is there uh-huh. a Sam Smith-type person in every community? I'd like to think so. That's a, that's a, uh, hmm, I don't know. That's a I don't know for me. I wish there were. And if it isn't, who will be? You know, somebody, again, that. You know, we could go on and on, and, and I know that for those of you who may not know him, you say, why do they keep talking about this man and what he's done? We hear so much about what we don't do. Ah, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. If you're a man, women, you didn't do this, you should have done that, you should have known better. But here's a man who was hitting those marks plus a bunch. So I figure if we can talk so negatively about what isn't done and those who aren't doing it, that we should be able to spend at least some time talking about those who are doing it, have done it, and that would be Mr. Sam Smith. Uh, Let's talk about his achievements in the NAACP Las Vegas chapter. Man, Uh, let's do that. One thing. Uh, he was Many a lifetime things. member, yeah. and Angela shared with them some of his. Just talk about Sam and the NAACP. Sam and the NAACP. It, his his right after his introduction to you. Hey, I'm Sam Smith. What's your name? Where you from? Where your people from? Very soon thereafter. He would ask you if you were a member of the NAACP. And if not, uh, he would ask why. And he got all of the usual comments that are pretty typical of today, sad to say. And his answer to whatever a person's objection was to being a member of the NAACP was, If it's not reflective of what you believe in, it's because you are not there. You're not there to put your input in. So sign here, press hard, and give me $25. And I expect to see you at the meetings because you got a lot of good ideas that need to be a part of what they're doing. With that attitude and and with that attitude, Reverence that everyone that ever met him developed and gained from him, gained gained of him of him right away. He, he was the he had our branch of the NAACP the number one um, 
branch for new members for years. For years, we were number one. Uh, we had the national conference here last year, and I was so happy that Sam got an opportunity to be there and to be a part of the national conference because there he, you know, there you get to see your what what the NAACP is doing on a national scale, and you get to talk with other. Um, local, you know, other local member uh, ch- uh, chapters, and I just saw such a light emanating from within him out. He was so happy to be there amongst others who believed in the NAACP as he did and believed that the best was yet to come from the organization. So... One man making a chapter. You know, I know other people got folks to sign up for membership, but Sam was consistently number one, bringing in the most new members to the NAACP. And from his efforts making this Las Vegas chapter, this small community, I know a lot of people look at Las Vegas and see us as this Big, you know, we have this big image, Rodney. We have this big uh, moniker. But we're really, I, when people ask me what it's like to live in Las Vegas, I said it's the biggest small town in the world. It's a small town. Um, so to have this international brand, Las Vegas, but, you know, this really small town be the number one chapter for new new member growth in a time for the NAACP, let's face it, that, you know, they don't have uh, a lot of enthusiasm as they once had uh, about the organization. So to have one man uh, so vehemently believe in, what they're doing and what they're capable of doing and how important it is to to for it to be around as long as black people are around Sam said the NAACP should be around as long as injustice is around the NAACP should be around it's not just for black people but because it's one of our best and brightest uh, things we've created in this country, it should never die. That's what he believed. And I wouldn't dare argue with him. (laughs) And for all of those folks out there who are saying uh, and thinking some maybe some negative things about the NAACP, it's okay to think those things. But I want to echo what Sam Smith said. If there's an organization that's out there that's not doing what it is that you think that they should be doing, then one of the ways to help move that organization into doing what you think that they should be doing is being a part of that organization is to push them to do what it is that you think they should do. I was with a group of younger folks who were doing some of the stand-up, uh, hands-up, don't shoot, uh, marches here. And what I suggested to them was because they were – 
they were looking for some guidance. And one of the things that they had expressed was that the NAACP wasn't doing it. And one of the things that I've been sort of missed is why the NAACP wasn't leading some of these protests and speaking out more on it locally. So when I told those young people, I said, you know what? There's probably more of you than it is of them. And it's a democratic organization as much as the bylaws will allow. So if you think that they should be doing something, I said, in the history of the civil rights movement and most of these big movements, it's been young people who have been the energy, the young people who did most of the, the leg, leg work. Now, the more senior people were the brain trust and often may have spoke for it, but it really was the younger people who did a lot of the work. And I said, if you want the NAACP to be more than what it is, then it's time for you to stop looking at it from the outside and spending so much time giving it negative lip service and getting on the inside and going to work to make it into the organization that it's known for historically and that you feel it should be. Uh, there's a young lady here with a uh, organization for women, and she talked to me about wanting to get more involved, and she you know, again, she had some negative things, negative things to say about the NAACP, and it wasn't that I would argue with her on our points because I actually I would probably say some of the same things if I was in that type of conversation. But what I told her is I said, you know, another group just told me similar things, and what I shared with them is what Sam shares, and that's join the NAACP. And so I'm going to share this with you. Join the NAACP, tell your friends, be an example first, and if you can take some down with you, by all means do so. And that's the same belief that I have today is if there's something that's not working, then be a part of it and help make it better. Uh, because the people in there may not see what you see, or maybe they've already sort of ran their race, and they're at the, the end of their race, and they need somebody to pass the baton to. Well, if you're not there, they can't pass the baton to you. And when they pass the baton to you, they're going to pass the baton to you how they know how to do it. It's up to you younger person to receive that baton and then run your race with it. And I hope that one of the legacies of Sam Smith is, is that we will see young people uh, grasp that baton and become members of the NAACP. And let me share with you another very important reason. The NAACP is a nonprofit organization. So much of the money that it gets, it gets from the dinners and the lunches, if they have lunches, but, but primarily from membership. Now, membership costs, I believe, $35 a year. For those of you who go to the movies, $35 can get you a membership. For those of you who smoke, I don't know how much cigarettes cost, but I'm thinking they must be close to $35 by now, a pack. At $10 a pack in Illinois. I'm just saying, uh, I couldn't believe that. For, for those of you who like to go out and toss a couple back every once in a while, uh, when you go out to the club, and, and that that's what you do recreationally, but could you put, $5 aside a month, can you do without a beer or a bottle of wine or some yak? And could you do without that once a month and put that away to get your membership? Because if it's an investment in you, why this is important, 
some of you say, well, why should I get a, re- a membership? One, you may need them, right, and you want them to be viable. But here's the other thing. The Legal Redress Committee of the NAACP is usually one of their most active committees. But the lawyers that work for the NAACP, they're not working for them per se. They're volunteering. And if you have a case that you need representation for, you're going to a lawyer that's volunteering their time for the NAACP. If your case needs some extensive research, you know, it's just one of those involved cases, remember, that lawyer is volunteering. That lawyer has mouths to feed and bills to pay, too. And if he's working for you for free on your more involved case, that means his business, his practice, or her business, her practice, is being neglected. So they have to take care of their own business, right? Well, but you still have a need. Now, if there were more members of the NAACP, then maybe they could afford to put a lawyer on retainer for those involved cases and make a difference that way. So I think that that's very important to understand because what happens is you'll see a lot of those chicken dinners and the prices will be high. And the reason why the prices are high is because they're going after corporate sponsors, corporate donors. And before you know it, the corporate sponsors and the corporate donors are making larger contributions to your local NAACP chapter than the membership is. And when that happens, then is it the member's chapter or is the chapter being bought by the corporate donors? Now, far be it for me to say that that's what's happening in my chapter locally or your chapter where you are. I'm sharing with you what does happen someplace. Of course, not where you are, but someplace. But you know what? It does happen. The reality of it is that it does happen. Um, this week, I I had an, another. This was just a big week. I, I got to have a conversation with Miss Mr. Bob John, uh, Robert L. Johnson, Bob Johnson, founder of BET, um, now the founder of the Urban Movie Channel, and that's exactly what he said. He said in building BET. He had to be concerned with, he and his staff had to be concerned with uh, sponsorship dollars. He had to be more concerned with whether sponsors would would be okay with the type of programming he was creating because they were providing the dollars. So when you think about that, Here's a man that owns a network, like other men and women that own networks. It wasn't whether the programming was of quality, whether it was saying something important. The the bottom line factor that enters the mind is, are my sponsors going to be okay with this? But she said, this is the great thing about being able to create the Urban Movie Channel. It's paid for by subscription by the people. 
So he has not a sponsor to be concerned with. He can just take the subscriptions from the people and deal directly with the people now. So, you know, as you say that, Rodney, it is a fact. When you hear it out of a multi-billionaire's mouth that that was the facts of life, it's still the facts of life, and this is the beautiful thing of, you know, what he's what he's creating now, the biggest thing is that he doesn't have to worry about what a sponsor may feel he should be doing or not doing. The money is what makes the world go round. We've all heard that cliche. Sam talked about it, is that you need to save. Sam, you need to know how to count it. And Sam, with his efforts at the NAACP, uh, led it to being the number one uh, recruitment branch in this country. Uh, Yes, our small little NAACP right here in Las Vegas. Now, the largest branch, I believe, is in Detroit. And we were looking at, we want to be, Sam was, we want to beat Detroit because Sam was competitive and maybe it could be possible. One thing for sure, if you didn't strive for it, you definitely couldn't get it. You couldn't achieve it. And that's what Sam was about. You know, yesterday at the at our gathering in um, remembrance of Sam Smith, there were some people who didn't know Sam that well uh, because they didn't, just didn't get a chance to know him. There was one young lady who came to the gathering for the first time. And what she said to me was she felt like because this was just her first time coming to the gathering, she felt like she was missing out and she had missed out on something. So when I heard her say that, it really touched me because I thought I've been around Sam. Most of us have been around Sam. There's so many other people who've been around Sam. Now, she is reflecting on how she missed out from receiving this from him, and many of us, maybe we take it for granted, but we have received it from him. She puts value on what she didn't have because she saw the value that we assigned to it. What I'm saying to you is, what are you going to take from your experience with Sam Smith that will help you do something more for those who may need that something, whatever it may be, how ha- how will it inspire you to plant seeds of improvement? And Sam says we should always be excellent. You know, there's a young lady who called me up because she heard about the gathering. And I remember the first time she came to the gathering, she came to us. We were at T.C. Drip Crib, our alternate location to support black business. And she walked in the door, and later on I asked her, why did she come? And I think when we talked on the phone, she told me, she said, because I want my children to know more about history and their community and themselves. And she wanted to know more. And she has been a stalwart in coming to the gathering. She's brought her children. And see, when you bring your children, you know, there's two things that really tell everyone else how important something is to you. One is when you open your wallet. And another is when you expose your children to it. And she exposed her children to it. And when she did that, and she, and I saw it, it inspired me because Sam had created a gathering 
in which someone thought that it was worthy not only of their time and money, because we typically buy lunch, but also it was something that she wanted to expose her children to. Now, she's not able to make it every Friday, and most people aren't. The gathering is there from 12 to 2, as Sam set it up for those who could make it when they could make it. And when I see her, I like, I sort of, you know, I get a little happy because I know that she's there because she wants something out of it, and then she contributes to give us something. But what I am going to tell the folks at the gathering in honor of Sam, is Sam says you always need to bring a paper, a book, a magazine, or something to talk about and to share with others. So I'm going to put that out there. We need to get back to bringing something, and not just me, but the rest of the folks in the group who've been there, to bring something to to talk about, something to share with others, spread the word. So Sam has been instrumental in helping people save their finances. Sam Smith was instrumental in helping people get jobs on the fire department, with the police department. Sam has been inspirational in helping our politicians. Sam has been inspirational in tutoring young people so that they can pass proficiency exams, so that they can just do good in school. Sam has helped people go to college. Again, this law school, one thing on top of the other. Uh, <laughs> Medical school, school nursing school, uh, absolutely. School, uh, school, Sam, school, education, education, education. Sam is a veteran. Not only was he uh, worked at the fire station here, he worked as a police officer in New York City. At one time, was he, he may still be at one time, Sam was the youngest police officer in New York City at 18 years old. Uh, again, more history. More history. And Sam has been, it really, Sam has helped a bunch of people gain the love for reading. Because if you could afford a book, you could read some of the books in there. Uh, you probably lost money. Uh Sam gave away a lot of books. Sam would buy you a book, so you would have a book. How Sam told me the story. He he told me the story of how he you know came to have read so many books. Because I asked him one day, "How did you get to read so many books?" He was a New York police officer on the train, and people would leave their books. So oftentimes he was, you know, he every day he was picking up these books that were left behind, and he he'd, he'd start he'd come with a book, but by the end of his shift he'd be done finished his book and started on to something new, and from a childhood having been instilled to read the paper and the encyclopedia and just young loving books. He just kept reading, kept reading, kept reading. I always thought that was interesting. And that's a good story because so many of us have an opportunity to read. I remember when I was in the military, and I mentioned Sam was a veteran. He was in the Army. And Sam talked about one of the jobs that he had. He had some some vacant time. In other words, there would be time in between when he actually had to work. 
and he says during those times he would read. And that, you know, it just adds up. It's almost like investing. It's not necessarily how much you put in. It's the fact that you're constantly putting it in. Well, Sam was constantly putting in time reading. And as you read, you acquire knowledge. Now, sometimes some people say it's useless knowledge, or as I'm sometimes told, there's another one, one of his trivia facts. My daughters, that's what they say. Oh, there's dad with some, where'd that come from? You just spout out whatever. I thought it was mm-hmm. germane to whatever they were talking about, but apparently they didn't. But they kind mm-hmm. of a joke, huh? There's dad, another one. And I, we were talking one day, and they were talking about how they would tell their children about different people. So I said, well, how, how would you tell your children about me? And they said, oh, well, you would be, we're going to tell them that out of the blue, you'll come out with some mundane fact about something that probably no one else would think of, and you just shared that with us, and then you went back to working on the computer or a phone call or something. And I kind of chuckled at it because I thought of Sam, because Sam would throw his hand up sometimes, and because it was like he had an epiphany, and some memory hit him, and all of a sudden he would just throw that information out, and then next thing you know he'd say, if you were in the store, well, go over there and look at this pile, and look under this and behind that and pull out so-and-so. Yeah, that one. And read mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so that's, of course, what we'd do is, is we'd go move through his filing system that we never understood and <laughs> would, would go look up whatever it was and would be enriched and better. For, you know, the book drive that we do. This is a third annual book drive for 10 books for 1,000 students. And part of the reason for doing that book drive, part of the inspiration for that, once again, is Sam Smith. Sam used to tell us, he says, most black kids don't have a library of 10 books. And I started researching it, and I found out that it wasn't just black children in America. In England, 60% of the black households have a home library of at least 10 books, 60%. And you can pull that up in Google. It's reported that African-American households, and this one you really have to search for, have less books than blacks in England. Wow. Well, if if you don't read, how do you become a better reader? And one of the things we know we have a problem with is literacy. So, that was part of the impetus for me to do the book drive and to try to get these these books. Thankfully, this year, the Urban League has uh, partnered with us. Nevada Partners is working with us. Uh, the VA can't say they partnered with us just yet. They're talking about how they can do it. But other entities are looking at doing this. And a good place for those of you who are listening and want to help us get these books, Go to If you're visiting a hospital or you work in a hospital or a medical facility, oftentimes people have books there that they leave behind or you want to rotate the books out that you have. Please think about making a donation to our book drive. Uh, the book drive didn't have a specific name per se, but I'm going to talk to the committee of the Living Sociology Club at CSN who has been a driving force in the book drive these last three years that if we can do in memory of Mr. Sam Smith and call it the Sam Smith annual book drive or something to that effect, I have to bring it to them to final, you know, to to get their approval and find them because it's a joint effort. Uh, Like in Sam, 
just because you start something or you suggest it, you're the one who initiated it. It doesn't necessarily belong to you. It belongs to all of those who are a part of it. And the book drive belongs to those folks who primarily do most of the work. I tend to be more of a mouthpiece. And those young people are the ones who pick up the books. They're the ones who sort through the books. I think that's an example of Sam through me. Sam is not physically with us any longer. He's he's not here. He's not for us to come home and, well, let me call Sam and see what he thinks about this or that. Let me share this with Sam. But those of us who have experienced Sam, learned from Sam and embraced Sam, he lives through us. Uh, a good a good uh, acquaintance of mine, fire captain, brother newbie, over at the fire station, he posted, he said, everything I am, I owe that man, Sam Smith. He's a fire captain, adult. That's what he said. Chicagoan. Had to throw that in there. Uh, powerful, powerful statement. When a person says everything that I am, I owe that to that man. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, um, just in reference to Newby being a captain in fire service here in Nevada, that couldn't happen in our state. We, Our state just settled uh, about two years ago um, a lawsuit of discrimination that went on for what's a generation generations 20 years roughly yes uh for at least three generations and they just settled the lawsuit they just fixed it where they're going to hire more minorities my point being newbie and i are both chicagoans he would not have been afforded the opportunity to be amongst the ranks of um, fire service because of historic systemic discrimination and um, just people not wanting men of color in fire service in the state of Illinois. So to come here to be a part of fire service and to be a high-ranking member of fire service in Nevada um, just speaks volumes to, you know, Sam and just being enriched by Sam because it's not possible in a lot of, I won't say it's not possible, but it's very difficult. You got a lot of history stacked against you. And um, being a part of the fire service community family. You know, as we're talking about Sam, Sam calls himself the Native Son, and then they had the Native Son bookstore. And yes, he did take quite a bit of pride in the work that he did with the firefighters and how many he got on there. Uh, we just had another firefighter who retired as a fire chief, uh, I believe it's Bertram Washington. And he attributes getting into the fire service because of Sam. 
he's a fire chief, and he was the first one. I remember one time I had a chance to meet President Obama, and we were at this breakfast with President Obama, mm-hmm. and guess who's there? There's uh, Bertrand Washington there getting a chance to meet the president and being recognized for being the first African-American fire chief, I believe it was for the county. I'm sure those out there who know more than me will correct me. And, wow. you know, that was because of Sam. It was because of Sam. That he's now him. shaking I mean, the hand of the first African-American president of the United States. But aside from the African-American of, uh, president of the United States, but the president of the United States, this man put you in a position. You took the opportunity and ran with it, and now you are needing the acquaintance of the leader of the free world. Wow. That's, that's huge. That's an impact that one person can make on the life of another. And then when you, you know, you think about it even further, what young person will see Bertram Washington out there as that mm-hmm. firefighter or Captain Newby and then say, well, they did it, therefore maybe I can okay. too, or I want to do that too. Mm-hmm. So the, the, these impacts continue continue to go, and, and you know, we could just go really on and on. Uh, about Sam, we can talk about how Sam helped people join the military. As uh, a person who has been in the Army, you know, it's not like everybody can just walk in and they automatically get a test. You still have to take a test. And Sam was very good with tests. And Sam would help these people uh, prepare for the test. He was I want to speak a little bit about that for a moment. Um, one of the things he championed was having a GED book in your house at all times. The the most recent one is the best, but any copy of the GED book. And he he would say his his instructions were have that sitting next to you wherever you watch TV. Turn on the TV. Turn on the radio. And Pick an area in the GED book to do work from. I, myself personally, work a math problem a day because of Sam and him champion doing so. I have several GED books throughout my house because of Sam. I am a GED recipient, but I was not championing the GED Um as much as I am now, I didn't think about um, just the practice of doing those exercises in the book, uh, what a skill it builds in you, what a skill it builds in you, um, working a math problem a day, working, a vo- working with your vocabulary. I, I consider myself pretty well-spoken, pretty good uh large vocabulary uh, but it helps it continues to work those muscles that you know use it or lose it that's so true it's so true so 
you know, from Sam to anybody in my voice, pick up a GED book. I'm now instituting that habit in my grandchildren. We've instituted a grandparent study day where all of my grandkids who are in school uh, come to my house, I cook, and we just go over work. We we do work. We play work. We play. We're we're learning to play chess together. I know how to play, but you know they're learning. Um, you know these are habits. Um, they, these are now habits, but they were ideas that were introduced to me through Mr. Sam Smith that I'm now. Introducing to my family and my young people, and soon we're going to start dealing with finances, how to save. Hopefully, it'll make me a better saver too. <laughs> <laughs> we can all be better at saving. Sam was also an investor. And one of the things that Sam looked for is he looked for opportunities to invest with other people. Sam was a property owner, so he's a business owner. He was a property owner. Uh, You mentioned the the things that he would suggest to others. He wasn't just suggesting it to others, but he was suggesting it and he was also doing it because he knew the importance of it and the impact it could have in the long term. Something else Sam did. What Sam sort of pre, he prepared himself for when he would make his transition from this earthly plane. And what I mean by that is I know we t- tend not to want to talk about when we move on to something, you know, when we are no longer here. But Sam went and paid up for his stuff in advance. Yeah. I would ask you all, have you done that? Because if there's a specific thing that you want, you know, if you go ahead and pay for it now, and if you get a will, then those your wishes are on paper that people can see. Uh, that is very important. Uh, do you have a trust for what you have to make sure it can transfer to whom you want it accordingly? Those are things that Sam talked about. Absolutely. And, you know, for if you need a... Uh, a start. We in our archives, look in our archives. We have done that show on, you know, what and how to, what to do, who to who to who to call upon, in building um, that that portion of your life out. That trust, that will, that you know, financial services, and we're going to do more of that in the future. Now that we over a hundred thousand listeners, woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we and we do appreciate you all for listening. And part of we do you know, something else that maybe you are not aware of is uh, often you hear us talk about what well, jazz, and we talk about this and that. Well, a lot of the reasons why it would be talking about this and that is things that Sam told us. So we would share those things that Sam told us with you uh, because we thought it was a value to us so we wanted you to also experience it that was one of the beauties of the gathering is from the gathering though we have whatever people that would come we got a chance to share it with a larger audience which is you and again that was just an extension of you know an extension of sam 
uh, Sam not only was a member of the gathering, but Sam was a, a member, as I started sharing earlier, of the Wise Man Breakfast. And we called it the Wise Man Breakfast, one, because Sam was there. Uh, another notable in our community, a legend in his own right, Senator Joe Neal, State Senator Joe Neal was there. Uh, we also had uh, our NAACP president, uh, Frank Hawkins, would be there. And they would go to a local eatery, usually black-owned, and they did it twice a month. And they would go and they would talk. And occasionally they would invite other people. And I'm very honored to say that I was one of the people that they invited in to be amongst my elders, not so much to talk, even though they would allow me to say some things, but really there to listen and to experience it. Uh, sometimes I felt like a child again uh, with my elders telling the stories. And it was such diverse stories. And what they would do is they could talk about things that I had not experienced, but they had. So it enriched me. And then I could come back to whatever uh, forms that I had and share that with others. Had it not been for that wise man breakfast, I would not have been able to receive that and then pass it on to other people. So I thank Sam for inviting me and for allowing me to become sort of, I guess, in some type of member. I don't think I was a full member, but I do appreciate that. Uh, that was Sam. Sam created things. Now, Sam created things, not that he always had to be there to run it or to do it. Sam was like a farmer. He planted seeds so that other people could carry it on. What seeds are you planting? Because you are planting some seeds. Now, there's good seeds and there are bad seeds. What seeds are you planting? As we talk about Sam, I hope that you all realize that we don't see Sam as more than a man. But what we saw Sam was is as a man and an example of manhood. Not perfect by any means, but he was a person who strived to be as good as he could be. Uh, Sam's motto was, we should be excellent. Simple. He said we should be excellent And we should strive for that excellence Again I would ask you Are you being excellent And are you striving For that excellence uh, Angela thought she had a robust library In her house And probably to most people It is To Sam it was a good start That's a good start <laughs> Well do you even have a good start In your home that's, that's a lesson that you can take. Uh, do you, as an adult, do you read yourself so that your young people can see you reading? That's also important. It's setting the example. Because if you're not doing it, very possibly they're not doing it. And if they're having problems in school, look no further. So... And it's simple things we can do. It's simple things we can do. Like my grandmother, just listening to her talk about the talk about the things in the newspaper made me want to read the newspaper. You were in trouble if you messed with her paper before her. First of all, you had to get up really early in the morning to mess with the paper before my grandmother did. But 
Um, there were some mornings where she maybe had something uh, pressing. She couldn't get to it, and uh, the paper was left until that evening after work. Don't mess with her paper. Simple rule. Uh, but that instilled in me to read the paper. So sitting just reading a newspaper, it don't have to be, you know, the expense of, you know, subscribing to a paper. There are lots of free papers, lots of free papers. And I, I suggest a, a paper that you can tangibly hold in your hand. Digital is great and wonderful, and I love digital, but it's something to hold in that page in your hand and watching a child learn to read from left to right and, you know, physically holding a story in your hand. If it resonates with them, they liked it, or they got something out of it, having them cut it out of the paper and show it to someone else. Good seeds to plant. When we talk about the paper, Las Vegas does not have a black-owned uh, newspaper paper any longer, not a local one. And that was very important to Sam, and it was quite a loss to him. Hopefully this will inspire us that are left here to either reestablish the paper that we had, maybe uh, do some modifications to it, bring it more up-to-date, or create something new, because a paper right. is something that is very that important. That is so important. Uh, Sam would say that they're living encyclopedias. These are living encyclopedias. This is an archive of our lives. When you go to the library, you can pick up a paper from 1972 because it's in archive. And you can see the ads. Uh, you can see the articles. It's so telling about what was going on in the community at that time. It's unbelievable. So I would encourage you all to, Sam Smith was a man. What type of man are you? What type of woman are you? Are you making your mark? What lessons will people learn from you? What are you willing to share with them that you have? Sam Smith's legacy, hope legacy, a part of it anyway, hopefully, will be that we should strive for excellence at all times in everything that we do. Simple things, have books around us so that our children can see it, if nothing else, and read yourself to continue to improve yourself and to broaden your knowledge. Sam didn't care so much what you read as long as you read, but he would say, you know, read things that matter too. Sam was a person who liked words. Sam was big into etymology. And I told him mm-hmm. that as a younger person, I collected names. And that fascinated us. But word usage was very important to Sam. Do we use words as, as they should be used? Do we know how they should be used? Can we communicate? Sam was big into communication. Today is Valentine's Day, but not only is today Valentine's Day, uh, Alex said, you know, Sam was quite the guy. 
he even made sure that when he left his earthly queen, he did it in Black History Month. History Month, that's right. Well, one of the reasons why Black History Month is in February is because when Carter G. Woodson founded it, he picked two people who were very, he thought, very important and instrumental into our freedom, and that was Abraham Lincoln, but it was also Frederick Douglass. Uh, because Frederick Douglass was a slave, doesn't don't really know when he was born per se. But they're pretty sure it's, or they have some confidence that he was born in 1818. Not quite sure of the month. Think it's February. So Frederick Douglass picked February 14th, Valentine's Day, as his official birthday. So happy birthday, Frederick Douglass. A day about love because he loved his people. A day that we're talking about Sam Smith, a man who loved his people. I a wanted to also. I, I wanted to also mention um, that today is the final day of Marriage Week, and um, all this week. In case you didn't know, it was National Marriage Week. It ends of you know the final day is February fourteenth. Um, Valentine's Day And Sam Was very Though he wasn't married Himself He was very encouraging To those of us that were And he would, he would often say To me and my husband I'm so impressed with you guys And your marriage And you know, always encourage. He always encouraged us uh, with our marriage, and thought the world of my husband because he didn't mind me spending so much time with another man. He said he's a better man than me because I wouldn't let my woman spend not five minutes with another man. <laughs> You talk to me all the time. So I, I always respect and appreciate your husband for allowing me and you to have such uh, great conversations. And you guys have a great relationship, obviously. Well, as we, you know, we could go on and on and talk about Sam and maybe as the shows continue to go by and we continue to push that 100,000 uh, listeners mark to 125 maybe will be our next Well, we'll do 110,000 Then we'll go to 125,000 But, you know, because it is Valentine's Day And it is a day that many people celebrate love I did extend the show out today for, And we have a 15 more minute And Angela, if you got to run, I understand But I wanted to take a moment to talk about What Angela just mentioned about Sam And that's black love What is the state of black love? Is there anyone out there that you all would like to give a shout out to? A brief station ID, you're listening to Our Own Voices Live, comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. And 3.30 out East. Uh, I am Rodney Smith. And I'm Angela Thomas, and this is for the 100,000 plus time we've said this. This is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) You've tuned in to Our Own Voices Live, and we are live and, you know, just filled with joy for the things that Mr. Smith has instilled in us. And we are, you know, very grateful to everyone who has taken time to listen to our broadcast, past, uh, present, and future. 
We we love you guys and we so appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, speaking of love, Sam talked about you and your husband being uh, married so long. I, we get a lot of people who come to the gathering, a lot of ladies. Uh, last night I had to get out the house. It was an emotional day for me, and I got invited out. Uh, I normally don't go out, but uh, some some folks were nice enough to invite me out. I went out with some beautiful-looking women, natural women, had the real hair. Uh, <laughs> they They were just beautiful women, and they were natural women. Not that I really looked, but the breasts, I mean, the breasts uh, were natural. <laughs> they were just natural women. And it was so refreshing to be around them. But what I realized was I said, man, look at all these beautiful sisters. But the dance floor was full of women dancing with women. So my thought was, where's the brothers? Where, where are the fellas? And why aren't the fellas with the women? I saw packs of women, packs of them. And I saw a few fellas sort of on the peripheral not talking to the women. Well, what is you going know, on? I don't know, but I recently had an experience with this. It was me and probably about eight sister friends. And I'm the only married one in the bunch. Everybody else with us that evening was single. And there was a brother that wanted to talk to one of the sisters. Well, he had to get through us, and I was I I'm married, so I can observe a little from a, a little different angle than um, my friends that evening. And um, I must say, we have got to open up. I, I I just see that we're you know we're in a group we're having a good time with our friends but I could see it being you know a pretty intimidating place for a man to come and approach a sister who's out with her girlfriends because we don't make we don't make it an open. We don't leave many doors to open to, you know, enter through. I'll say that. So, you know, maybe we might want to smile a little bit more and just, you know, when we out together having a good time with one another, just smile and be a little more open to conversation. It ain't got, we're not talking about marriage. It ain't got to lead, if it do lead to marriage, good. But it, it at that point, it's just conversation. So let's just smile and, and, and be a little more conversational, I would say. I, I observed the same thing. We were in a a festive environment, a, a club environment, and, you know, it's just I don't see my sister smiling as much too, and I would like to, and we just got to be a little more open. Anthony, having, you talk about that smile. That smile is so important. That smile lets us know you might be interested. That smile lets us know that you're happy with us. That the lack of that smile is also indicative that you might not be happy with us. But that smile plays a lot of roles. And I know for whatever reason, some people have an issue with why do I have to smile? Well, you don't have to do nothing. But if 
what I saw last night was I saw women dancing with women. Now, maybe they wanted to dance with each other because some of the ways that they was dancing with each other is how we used to dance back in the basement with the red light on and somebody guard the door. Really? I actually had to leave my seat so I could go up and get a closer view just so I could get a good observation and tell you all about it today, of course. And is that right? Yeah, that, that this was is cool. your true journalistic, and this is and a journalistic endeavor, I see. It's, it, it's all for the vocation. So I'm there <laughs> watching these women dancing with each other like men used to dance with women, like I used to dance with girls in my teenage years. And I thought, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But are you doing it because that's actually where you are in your lifestyle? Or are you doing it because you have no man to do it with? And where are the men? And for the few men that are there, I was thinking for them, dude, look at all these women. There's a dance floor full of women with the nice high heels on, which I think are dangerous, but they got the nice high heels on. They got the tight pants on, the short skirts riding all the way up to everywhere. And... They out there bumping and grinding with each other. Where is the fellas? Well, what what is you know, the state you know, of black love? And mind you, you know these weren't any uh, women that you wouldn't want to brag to your friends about. These were women that you would be happy for people to see on your arm. Whatever your concept of beauty is, there was someone there who met that concept last night. And for what is the stereotype of beauty, there were plenty of them, but they were by themselves. And these are black women. And I just was well, wondering, I know that's one place, but I've been to other places where I've seen the same thing. What is, what's going on with black love? Well, it's an interesting question uh, to ask. I I was struck by a recent news story of the sister that was marrying herself. Oh, my goodness. And Let me fall out the chair. <laughs> Angela, that was me falling out the chair. All right. Well, I pretty much did the same thing. She threw herself an elaborate wedding and reception, complete with cake, bridal party, uh, her parents and family and friends. And it was a national story. And I... Uh, yeah, I'm 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 pretty firm when I I can't condone that. I I don't I don't understand. She was a a beautiful sister. She she's intelligent. She she has a great job, great career, educated, and she was marrying herself. And my thought was this: What does that say to the rest of the world that probably you know that your man is your your man your life mate is probably you know a member of is probably observing this your life mate is probably seeing this how now is a man supposed to be a part of your life and 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 become your life mate now that you've married yourself <laughs> well and uh, one thing I say about that is it should be an uncontested divorce. 
Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but I I didn't even I didn't even deal with any of the the words of this story. I dealt with this story strictly from the image, and I've let this story live with me as an image. I didn't read any of the news story, any of the words that that accompanied. The pictures I've seen it, and you know, covered from a lot of outlets. And for me, I didn't want to begin to justify this in my mind as being a new normal or part of something new, a new perspective. Marriage is between people. Plural. For me. And you know, we're we're now beginning to um incorporate this beyond man and wife, man and woman and include men and men and men, men and uh, women and women and now you know, we're just getting adjusted to that as a as a uh, society. So now we're being asked to incorporate one being able to marry themselves. And, you know, I'm just wondering, was that a cry for help or... I don't know. I I I processed this story so many different ways, but it did ultimately end up on the doorstep of what is the state of black love right now? I'm in my 25th year. Every month this year we're doing something to lead up to November 10th, our 25th year anniversary of marriage. Uh, this month, we did something simple. We put up a throwback picture on my Facebook page. Um, I don't know what Mr. Thomas is going to do on his Facebook page, but we did put that agree to put that picture out there. It was, a, it, you know, it's a picture of he and I, probably a few weeks into our marriage, and I, you know, I'm I'm going to leave that up there for you know a month or two. But you know, every month we've agreed to do something small, large, whatever, in celebration of, you know, a year-long celebration, per se, of our 25th year, culminating in some big trip on our anniversary. But, um, you know, where where that, that particular story did hit me. This beautiful young woman has everything in place. And she seems to be fine with the concept of marriage, yet she is marrying herself. What does that mean in our community? What is that? What is that saying? That's going in uh, the life encyclopedia, the newspapers, and it's going to be there forever. What is what? What are future generations going to think of that? And what are they going to make of that? Where where will it be? In the future. Well, 
And as we come down to the end of our show, first of all, I want to thank all of you out there for cracked 100,000 listeners, uh, listenership mark. Thank you so much for contributing to that. Thank you all for listening to us today. Thank you all to the callers out there today. What we've been talking about is remembering Mr. Sam Smith of the Native Son Bookstore here in Las Vegas, originally born in Philadelphia, born in Philadelphia, later lived in New York, was a New York police officer, joined the Army, is a, is a veteran, uh, got injured uh, while in the Army, and also became a fire inspector here in Las Vegas and been responsible for over 100 getting on the firefighters force. We also talked a little bit about his contribution, well, quite a bit about his contributions to young people, to education, uh, to culture and history, uh, tutoring, uh, giving life lessons, so many different things that we discussed today about this one, about one man. It wasn't a whole bunch of them. This was one man. And then we transitioned into black love. But before we leave, Mr. Smith was responsible for starting the gathering. There's been many people who have told me over the years that they would like for a gathering to be in the evening because they work. Uh, Come March in Women's History Month, we will, if everything goes well, we found a location, and we will have the gathering slash a business, excuse me, the gathering slash a mixer, sort of an after-work happy hour event that we will have on Friday uh, that will start approximately 5 o'clock and will last until, well, you all leave out of it. But we have it planned uh, from happy hour. We're going to have an extended happy hour from 5 o'clock for at least a few hours, well, a couple hours at first, and we'll see how it goes. And that's because of Mr. Sam Smith, and this is a way that we can commune with each other. Sam believed that we have to talk to one another. And as we talk with each other at the gathering that happens during uh, Friday afternoons, for those of you who work during the day and can't get away, we're going to do one in the evening. So mark your calendars because we're planning on it to be the first week, the first Friday uh, in March, if we can make it happen, uh, to do it. We'll post something up on the board. We also talked a little bit about black love. Maybe we need to do a whole separate show on this. Today is Valentine's Day. For those of you who celebrate Valentine's Day or a coma day, hopefully you've uh, – or spend some special time. You should always spend time with that person who's close to you, but hopefully you'll spend a little bit of special time with them today. In a part of that discussion, we asked the question, what is the state of black love? Angela went right through the highest level, marriage. But what I found out last night was that there were marriage that never came up, and that's fine. But what did come up was just courting someone. Most people didn't want to court anyone or were not courting anyone. Uh, Many of them weren't actively dating. They were doing something that involved sex. And it is a relationship because anytime you're with one another, it is some type of relationship, as one of our folks pointed out last night. But it's as if we're on two separate planes and we're on parallel tracks, never meeting except for a a sexual encounter. And believe me, there's nothing wrong with sex. But are we actually communicating with one another? Are we sharing of ourselves with one another? Do we even see that as viable any longer? This is a conversation that we will continue at another date and another time. And I'd love to hear from you all uh, on 
the state of black love and relationship. We see other groups, none are doing well. There are some that are doing really good. They're uh, in relationships. but And how does this lack of black love for committed and long-term relationships, whether it's married or really just a committed and long-term love relationship, how does that translate into way into how our children see and relate to each other and other human beings? Are they seeing the interaction of love? Are they seeing the interaction of communication, of sharing, of sacrifice for one another? And if they're not seeing it, then what will they do when they become adults? How will they see each other? Will they travel in packs? Will the women dance with women and the men dance with men or just not do anything? Will they even communicate with each other? You know, one of the things that Mr. Smith was about was communicating. There was very little communication. There is sometimes direct communications for a single goal, and usually that was sex. But is there communication just to commune with someone, to get to know them better, to get to understand them, and for them to get to understand you, for you to get to understand them. Part of what our gathering is about is so we can just come together and get to know another human being. Do we even know each other? Have we drifted so far apart that we don't take the time to know each other? Do we go strictly just for the ultimate, which now has become sex, versus a committed relationship? Something to think about and maybe some topics that we can approach. You know, we approach them today that maybe we can delve in a little different later on. And I know we had an extended show today, and we thought it would be appropriate. Because what I had not seen here is I have not seen a story and maybe I just missed it on the passing and transition of Mr. Sam Smith. Nor have I heard, and maybe I just missed them, any of our terrestrial, you know, traditional, traditional radio broadcast. I haven't heard them talk about it. On one show, the only person that I heard talk about it was me when I called into the show, but there was no one else to talk about it. How do we treat those people who are significant, and were giants in our community that impacted them as greatly as Sam Smith did is our lack of discussion about them. Also a systemic problem of how we don't relate to one another and how we don't hold each other in value. I can tell you that whatever woman that's in my life, I hold them of significant value of significant value where I want to give myself to that person. And hopefully they will accept that gift of me because when a person gives themselves, is there anything greater that they possess other than themselves that they can give? What I saw and when I go out is I see we're not even willing to give up really much time for one another. Sam always made time for the youngest or the oldest. It didn't make a difference. Maybe that's something that we can't examine. Maybe that's another lesson from Sam Smith. Take the time to communicate with one another. Get to know each other. Well, Angela, thank you for spending overtime with us on the show today. Yep. My pleasure. 100,000 listeners, they all deserve more of me. No, well, really. you can. I kid, I kid, all, I kid, I kid. <laughs> hey, you all can go to the Our Own Voices Live Facebook page, and if you can, 
for those who knew Sam, let us know how, share something about Sam with us on Our Own Voices Live. Share something about Sam Smith, what he did, what you've seen, what you heard. Because I know some may not have known him personally, but the good works that you've heard, go to Our Own Voices Live. And go to Our Own Voices on Twitter and share something about Sam with us. If you have pictures, you can share the pictures. I would just love to hear the stories, to add them to our stories, and maybe we can get to them. We said Sam had many sons and many daughters, the majority of them not biological, but people who chose him to be their representative of a father, just as I chose him as my representative of a father figure. Many children. I have many brothers and sisters. I hope that you all felt a little bit of that today in our discussion of Sam. We will be back next week with another show. We're going to have some book reviews that, uh, because of Sam, I kind of fell behind in some of my duties, and that was one is to give you some book reviews because books were important to Sam, and I was hoping to share those book reviews with him, but now I'll have to share it with you and give us some feedback on those two. You've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. And uh, 3.30 out east. Uh, this is part of the Speak Up Network. Uh, the shows that are in our Speak Up Network is Mrs. Angela Thomas has her own show, Needle on the Record. Angela, give them some information about your show and that recent interview that you just did. Uh, Needle on the Record, every Thursday at 6.30. And just recently had a uh, historic interview for me, at least uh, Mr. Robert L. Johnson was on my bucket list. Yes, I do have a list of of folks that I would like to talk to. Um, and so now I get to check another one off, Mr. Bob Johnson, founder of BET and founder of the new Urban Movie Channel. I'm a subscriber. You should be too. Um uh, if you love plays, if you love seeing black people in mu- in in movies, black people producing and writing and directing movies, this is the streaming service for you. Urbanmoviechannel.com, please check it out. Uh subscribe as I have done. Um and you know, enjoy what it has to offer. I enjoyed our conversation. He shared a few pearls of wisdom. I hope you go to my archive, New on the Record, and uh, check it out. I really enjoy talking to him. I can't wait to to uh, do so again. And um, that's all I got to say about New on the Record. It was a it was a great conversation this week. What a week! And so always gets those big scoops like that. You'd be surprised on some of the things and people she have on her show. Uh, we also have Brother Thomas Berry with Rant Radio, based out of Minnesota. My brother brings it to you raw, hot, and heavy, bring it to you straight. And uh, we have Brother Lee Vaughn with Real Radio, radio established to address life. It comes on Saturday morning at 11 p.m. on, excuse me, 11 a.m. East Coast time. They're all part of the Speak Up Network because we're trying to bring you the information where there may be voids in. Hopefully today's show about Mr. Sam Smith, the native son, and a little segment on black love was something that brought value to you and your time. We know that your time is valuable, and I hope that listening to us was 
we will value to you. We'll see you next week. Until then, be safe. Enjoy Valentine's Day. Uh, and enjoy the holiday. We do have President's Day. Take time to reflect and also take time to reflect on this month that though it has 28 days, how powerful, how much can we get accomplished in these 28 days? Remember, Frederick Douglass's birthday is today. Big shout out to Frederick Douglass and his family that is still around. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, one right here in Las Vegas. So thank you all for listening to us and go to Album Voices Live, share your stories of Sam Smith and tell, talk to us about Black Love. Until next week or until we see you on Twitter and uh, Facebook, Our Own Voices and Our Own Voices Live. Take care of yourself. Be safe. For those of you back east, stay warm. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.